I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with our transfer window recap that we do every year. Uh, of course, that means the brilliant Dave Hendrick is on with us. You can find him on Twitter at DaveHendrick underscore. You can also find him over at Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro. An absolute pleasure to have you back on. Uh, and this window was a weird one, which is obviously what we're going to be discussing. This January window where so few clubs made meaningful moves. Uh, I was reading an article the other day that was basically saying this was the regression in spending that people thought when, you know, Neymar was getting 200 million. You know, we bought Davinson, a quote unquote unproven player from the era Divisi for 40, that, that prices were just flying everywhere and that eventually that was going to come back. Do you think that that's one of the reasons why this was a slow January? Because people often say that January is just a slow window, but it's really not been of late. But this year obviously was very slow. Yeah, I think that is the reason. I think prices went that far up that they had to come back down eventually. Um, There's always one Premier League club who looks to go out and make a mark in January. And this year, none of the top clubs really have... None of them have gone out and made a big permanent signing. Um, We've seen a couple of you know, future signings like uh, Christian Pulisic going to Chelsea, mm-hmm. but that deal is set up for the summer. <clears throat> He's not coming now. A um, couple of big loan signings with options to buy, but, you know, those can work out in a number of different ways. And it did kind of feel like there was a lack of urgency from a number of clubs. I, I Obviously, we have the situation at Manchester United where they probably would have liked to have bought but there's no real point in buying players now when they don't know who the manager is going to be in seven or eight months. I mean, what suits Ole Gunnar Solskjaer might not suit the next manager if they do change in the summer. And, you know, with, with ourselves and with City, I think it's just a matter of, look, we're the top two teams in the league and yourselves as, as well, but you guys don't really sign mm. players anymore. You've sort of just, <laughs> uh, you know, abandoned that, that principle of the game. But we've sort of, I think Liverpool have looked at it and gone, well, look, this group has gotten us to here. We still have Naby Keita to, you know, bring into the team and develop. And Yeah, that you haven't seen the best from yet. Yeah, and, you know, we might get Oxlade-Chamberlain back at some point. So there is a little bit more to come from this squad. I I think we've left ourselves short, and we can discuss it when we get to Liverpool. But um, I did have a feeling as, as this window was kind of, drawing closer that it was going to be a quiet window because there was nothing major been talked about there was you know every year you, there's always one rumor that sort of builds and builds and builds last year it was Virgil van Dijk going to Liverpool and Phil Coutinho going to Barcelona and that mm-hmm. built and built and built and then it happened this year there wasn't really any of that about any of the top clubs there was talk that Man City might go out and buy someone like Ndombele from Leon, but the Leon president shut that down in about November and said no chance now, I'm sure it'll start up again now that we're into February and the window's closed. But, you know, that'll rumble to the summer. Nothing really happened for them in the in the January window. And I'm surprised City didn't sign anybody. I thought they would be the ones who would go out because I, I think they're a little bit desperate at the moment. Yeah, you're surprised that they didn't think, oh, we're behind in the title race. We need to get somebody that, that ensures we keep up. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a couple of weaknesses in that team. I think any time Fernandinho misses a, a minute on the pitch... They don't look anywhere close to the same team. Yeah, um, I think they could do with buying a central defender who can come in and, and be physically dominant in the way Van Dyke is for us or Davinson can be for you guys. Um, I think when I watch Stones and Laporte play, I think Laporte is a fantastic defender, certainly a much better defender than John Stones yeah. is. They're both really, really good in the ball, but 
there's there's a lack of a phys- of physicality there between them. I, mean, I think we've seen it exposed a little bit when they face teams that have really put the battle up to them. Yeah, and and for Odomendi's previous sins, one of the reasons he, I think he was so good last season is because he at least has the tough guy facade of of a pairing. Um, obviously, company kind of the quiet, but sometimes kind of dirty. We we won't get into that right now. Um, but I agree that, that they're both on a little on the softer center back side, which is something that that Tottenham have to deal with sometimes with Toby and Jan when we face somebody like Mitrovic or yeah. against Newcastle when you face Rondon. They they want to be playing the ball. They don't want to be getting bruised. The only forward that I've really seen Alderweireld and Vertonghen handle is uh, Benteke. And yeah. I, or, uh, Benteke and and Lukaku, and I think that's just because of familiarity that they they yeah, know exactly. how to handle them because of international teammates and such. But yeah, but no, I, I agree. Well, Kev, one thing you guys had a couple, like not this season or last season, but when your defense was absolutely elite, was you had Victor Wanyama playing in front who could drop back in and almost go to a back three, and he yeah. could bring the physicality. So you had that there. You don't get that in midfield when Eric Dyer is there because he's just not very good. Yeah, no, I agree. And so, yeah, I, I think it's surprising that uh, City didn't try to bring in somebody to replace Fernandinho, although the last two times they tried, they went to other clubs. And uh, Jorginho going to Chelsea and Fred, who's now disappeared at Manchester United. Um, similarly, the comparison we were making there, Tottenham, was also surprised that they didn't do anything. Uh, <clears throat> but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, let's just dive into it then. We're going to go through uh, all 20 clubs. Some of them will be much shorter than others. Um, if they didn't make any deals or anything. Let's just start off with Arsenal. Uh, they signed Dennis Suarez on loan. Now, some people super optimistic consider him an elite prospect that we haven't seen the best of just because he hasn't gotten the minutes. I'm a little bit short of that evaluation. What do you make of Dennis Suarez as a player before we get into the deal? Well, he's 25 years of age now, so the idea that he's still an elite prospect needs to be put in you know, in a little box along with the notion of young Adam Lalana, who's now 30, and thrown into the sea because he's not a young prospect anymore. He's an established player. Um, at 25, he's pretty close to being what he's going to be. And, yeah, you can argue that he hasn't had the minutes, but when he did get them, um, he spent a season on loan at Sevilla. He spent a season on loan, or he spent a season with Villarreal. He looked a good player, but not a player who was going to go on and become, you know, an elite top class uh, talent. Now, I think there's definitely a good player there. I think there's a player who can certainly add something to this Arsenal team. I think he can take a little bit of the load off Torreira in midfield in terms of having to, you know, be the creator, get on the ball, move around, look to open things up. With the decision that seems to be, you know, ongoing to push Mesut Ozil as far out the door as they can even though he just signed a new contract not that long ago, um, they're going to need someone to be a little bit creative. And I think he can bring that. It, with him, it's all about the shape, though. I think he's a player that has a specific position that not a lot of teams use. I, I, he's not a winger, he's not a 10, and he's not a central midfielder. He's somewhere stuck in the middle. And I think that hmm. is because when he was a young player at, Bar, at you know Man City's academy, but then at Barcelona... He was often used in a multitude of positions, and he never fully developed. He's already in played in slot. six positions this season while not playing that many minutes. Yeah, and that that just—if you're wondering why he didn't become a top-class player, you know, despite when City bought him, I think he was 16, and there was talk that he was the next Xavi Alonso or um, Xavi Alonso or Iniesta or, or a hybrid of the two, and he hasn't reached that. It's because of this madness of moving him around and just slotting him in oh he can he can play put him there he can play put him there um i think the ideal position for him is something like the position that say carlos solar plays at Mm. um at valencia where he's on the right but tucked in it's the coke position at atletico madrid where he, he plays tucked in off the right he's got an attacking right back who'll overlap him and provide that width and he can just play make from that position. And he's got two central midfielders behind him who can cover for him and do a bit of the dog work defensively. Now, I think this is where they'll really... If they use him like that, this is where they'll really miss Hector Bellerin. I'm not a huge fan of Bellerin, yeah. but I think... That player ID would have would have compensated yeah. well. 
exactly. Plus, you've got that Spanish connection. They know each other very, very well. They've played together at under twenty one level and all that kind of thing. So, I mean, there's a player there, and I think he'll he'll be you know he'll be good for them. I mean, they could use him on the left. Maybe he did play on the left for Villarreal. Yeah, kind of and, and has in. predominantly this season. And they have Kalasnik, who, for his faults, is a very willing runner up and down the flank. And if you do that, then you can play him there. Maybe you go with Xhaka and Torreira as your as your pairing in midfield, and look to get Mkhitaryan maybe playing on the right, where his pace and his ability to cut in field um, and land into the box will be beneficial. But he, he'll certainly add something. But Arsenal needed more. Arsenal have failed to address the real issues in their team, which you know it's the defense. That defense yeah. is a mess, and it doesn't matter what combination of central defenders they put out. Mustafi. I mean, what they were ever thinking paying that kind of money for him, I don't we know. Knew, we knew all of this, though. All of the centre-backs yeah. they've bought of late, we knew weren't as good as, as they thought they were or as worth it as the money they spent. No, and Koscielny's exactly the same. Arsenal fans trumpeted him for years as this elite-level defender. And he did, what um, was that, in, 2015 maybe? 2014? There he, was that one was, season where he was fantastic. but Yeah, I think 13-14, I think he was very good. But, I mean, we've seen mediocre centre-backs have good seasons in seasons where there aren't a lot of good centre-backs. Case in point, you mentioned him earlier. Look at Otamendi last season. Arguably one of the three or four best central defenders in the league. But that's more down to the overall calibre of central defenders in the league. Last year you had Jan had a bit of a dip season. Toby had a mm-hmm. you know a season thrown away because of everything that was going on. Baye was injured. Van Dijk wasn't really arsed until he came to us. So he his the first half of his season was a write-off. Laporte didn't arrive till January. So for me, yeah, Koscielny looked good at a time, but I don't think he's any better or worse now than he was then. I just think the standard has gone up, and I think he's been shown up. Yeah. So Arsenal, I I I'm, I would give. I'll give them a D purely for failing to, you know, address the massive issues that they have in their team. Yeah, I, I've gone with a C minus, just a little kinder, um, just because maybe with Emery's tactics, he could fix that defense if he got the same two center backs to play for a while, even if they aren't that great, even if they're overrated. Just over time, you could build a relationship, uh, especially as. Guendouzi and Torreira develop in front of them. You could probably make it work with the pieces they have. So he may be thinking, I don't want to bring in other people while I figure this out. But since so many of them are injured right now, when are they going to figure that out? You know? Um, so yeah, I've, I've gone C-, but do agree that the fact that the defense was wholly unaddressed uh, is either a shortcoming on the board or the manager. I'm not sure which. I hope it's the manager, because if it's the board and they're doing this to the new manager... Having done it to Wenger for a long time. Well, they're the ones that told him there was no money to spend. So, it's true. May well have been. Um, But do agree that it's crazy. Dan did raise a a good point on the Arsenal show that when they said they don't have the money, that they have been spending all of the Champions League money and they don't have that this year and they don't know if they'll have it next year. So, maybe that's why they're saying that they don't have the money is that they they probably have money. Like, (laughs) they're a football club they are they don't have no money but that they might want to see where those finances are coming from if they do miss out on champions league again which at this point i'd say looks relatively likely all right yeah for sure all right we'll head into uh bournemouth now (laughs) i'm really gonna let you take the lead on this in a second since two of these four players come from liverpool um but for me uh the klein loan made sense at the time because if i'm right i think daniels and smith were both hurt for them uh, but now they're both back, so it'll be interesting to see how Klein is involved. Also, I believe it's a loan to buy. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, so then they also bring in Solanke, who was an actual purchase, um, which I really questioned at the time. But then Defoe leaves for Celtic. All the Wilson rumors start cropping up again. And so now it looks like he's just a really cheap future-proofing for the squad. Because if Defoe and Wilson both leave, then you have King and Solanke who can just battle it out for that starting spot. Um, and, and see where that lies. I thought Mefum, hopefully that's pronounced correctly, is uh, a really good young pickup. They could really get into this team sooner than you may think because of Bournemouth's defensive issues. Ake hasn't been as fantastic as I thought he would have been, but he is starting to grow into the leader of that defense. 
Um, so maybe that pairing long-term will, will really benefit them. Um, the only big departure for them is Mings, who I always thought would develop into being a very good player, but just has refused to. Um, but I think Villa's a good loan, although for the people that saw the the Nelson Oliveira stuff yesterday, yeah, ooh, on, on your debut to have that kind of incident, and he's had a nasty streak before, and I will say it didn't look intentional yet uh, in, in that match, but... He's one of those players with where there's a little reputation there. And so there's just like that little part of you that's like, is is this on purpose and is it going to be a problem long term? Um, yeah, because the Zlatan one looked looked like it was on purpose. And when did. you have that on your track record, yeah, I agree with you. Yesterday's one didn't look, didn't look like he meant to do it. But when you've got a track record, people will always kind of, you know, judge you harshly to begin with. So, look... It's a very unfortunate thing. Hopefully, Oliveri, you know, can recover without, you know, too serious of scars. Like he's got two nasty cuts and a broken nose, but hopefully, he recovers and, and comes back the handsome man he was beforehand. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's just a strange way to to start alone. But in theory, it should be a good footballing one. But we'll see what happens there. But mm. uh, shifting over to you, what did you make of the the Klein and Solanke departures from Liverpool and entries at Bournemouth? Um, very happy with the sale of Solanke. I, I don't think he's a Premier League player at this point. Um, struggled badly for us last season. It never really looked like he knew where the goal was. And it, there's a, a rawness to his game that he needs to work out. And I'm not sure how that is going to play out if he's not immediately walking in as first choice somewhere. I, a, a championship move would have made more sense where he could go in, um, play every game and, and have... You know, less pressure, say, than he'll have at Bournemouth. But he's not going to get in the Bournemouth team straight away because not you know, this year, no. Not this year. They've got they've got two really good strikers up up front and two players that they've sort of built their team to to, to service. So if he can go there and learn from them, and Wilson and and King are are similar, you know, build similar kind of style to Solanke. So. Hopefully he can learn from them and, and develop. I think you know there's a footballer there. It's just it's going to take him a little bit longer, as it often does with players who've come through Chelsea's academy, and they sort of hit a hit mm. a level, and then they it's like there's a glass ceiling because there's no pros, prospect of first team football for these type of guys at Chelsea. So they get banged around on loan a few times, and it never really allows them to develop properly. Um, Decline loan, I, I'm still annoyed about. I don't know why we did it at the time we did it. And then you immediately needed him. And then we immediately needed a right back. And if you wanted to loan him, you could have waited till the 31st. And you could have got those games out of the way. And now we'd only be looking at West Ham without Trent Alexander-Arnold. Milner could fill in for one game. Or Wijnaldum could fill in for one game. Um, Klein could have played the last couple. I think he will establish himself as the starting right back at Bournemouth because I think he's better than what they have. Mm. Um, Although I did I always think, feel like Adam Smith was perfectly their level, like Joel Ward was at Palace for a while. Yeah, that's a fair comment, but I don't think Klein is much is is much more above that. I, I think I think Klein is a good player for teams in the sort of sixth to tenth battle, mm-hmm. um, or seventh to tenth, I suppose it is. Uh, really, I think he's a, he's a fine player at that level. Three year Bournemouth, maybe Crystal Palace on return, West Ham, clubs like that, Leicester maybe. Um, I think he'll do well there. Chris Metham's a good signing in terms of he's a good young defender. He should stylistically be a good fit with Aki. Um, but my issue with Bournemouth, and it, it continues to be an issue for me with Bournemouth, is they go out and they spend a large amount of money here. They've spent $31 million on two players in, yeah. in Solanke and Metham. And are they the best players they could have bought for that kind of money? Is is someone really telling me they couldn't have looked abroad and gotten in a a better centre-back and third-choice striker? I think they've they've overdone this kind of let's buy British angle thing because Hmm. they did the same thing when they bought um, Jordan Ibe off us. They paid $15 You're telling me there wasn't a winger in Europe that you could have got for $15 who'd who'd at least be making your bench these days. And he's not better than Stanislaus, yeah. No, that's the thing. And Ibe is another one of these players that he, he suffered from the same thing at Liverpool as I said about Solanke at, um, at at Chelsea. He he hit a certain level and then it was just there was a glass ceiling put on him. 
and yeah. he never really developed. And that's the fault of Liverpool. It's it's not really the fault of the player. I still think Jordan Ibe is a talented player who can go on and have a good career, but it doesn't look like it's going to be at Bournemouth, which is unfortunate. And the other thing on, on Chris Metham is, for me, I watched quite a bit of Brentford last, I will, you know, this this season before Christmas, and he wasn't the centre back that stood out for me. Mm. Ezri Konza it yeah. was the standout centre back there, and he's one I'd, I'd quite like Liverpool to look at. But maybe Brentford weren't willing to sell him so early because then he bought him in the summer. But for me, Konza would have been a much better fit with Aki, um, and he's, I think he's just going to be a, a better player. But Metham, Metham's a good player, but the twelve million's a little bit steep. And again, the Solanke nineteen million for a, a kid with one Premier League goal. Yeah, it's, it's not the best value. You could have done better. Like you look at Jefferson Jefferson Lerman. They went bought him from Levante, and he he's been really really good for them. So why not go down that path rather than the path that saw you spend twenty one million on Jordan Ibe and Brad Smith. Yeah, it, I do agree that their transfer policy is a little weird, but they consistently buy young, and Bournemouth and Eddie Howe are one of the few club manager combinations where players get better when they go there. Um, so I, I'm willing to see how their development paths go before I before I judge it too harshly. But I do agree initially that the Solanke one was question marky for me, but I I was wondering if they, they paid so much because they thought Wilson was going to leave this window. Because, you know, there was like all that Chelsea talk, which always felt a little blustery, to be honest. But get in somebody cheap before you sell. That's always a solid strategy in my book. Uh, I've given them a B here. I've given them a C plus um, because I think the Klein deal makes sense. I think Metham will improve them defensively. So they've addressed their biggest issue, which is they couldn't defend. And they've gone out mm. and they've bought two players. Whether they're the right two players, we, we can only wait and see. But... There's certainly two players. Klein has proven himself in the Premier League. Metham looks like a, a very good prospect. So they've they've addressed it well. And like you say, they have future-proofed themselves against either Wilson or uh, or King leaving potentially the summer. Look, if I'm Callum Wilson, I'm staying there because yeah, where are you going to go and be the man? This, this is the, the Vardy decision all over again. Exactly. That's the thing. Look at Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy's now look take the league title out of it because that was a pure fluke. But Jamie Vardy's had a much better career by staying at Leicester than he would have had had he gone to Arsenal yeah. or if he'd ended up somewhere else a younger player. Go to a club like this, a mid-level club. You're a, a good player who, in a top six club, is a squad player. But below that, you can be a starter. And unless you know Everton were to come in from. I think he's best off staying where he is. Or if, if Leicester wants him to replace Jamie Vardy, maybe that kind of move. But for me, I think you're at the perfect level right now. You've made, you've kind of worked yourself into the England uh, mix as well. Eddie Howe's building the team around you. There's a, a good group of young players there. Most of them look up to you. Why not? Like, why not stay? I'm sure, I'm sure Bournemouth are paying him very well. Um, they're a club that look after their players and, and you know reward their players for getting them where they are and keeping them where they are. So there's no real reason for him to leave. Um, he could go to Chelsea and become an afterthought. You know? Yeah, he sure could. Also, I would like to offer uh, as kind of the final thought on Bournemouth an apology to Mauricio Pochettino, who was heavily linked with trying to buy Wilson in 2015, much to the confusion of everyone. And I think we're finally seeing the player that uh, Poch and the scouting team saw back then. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Um, moving on to uh, Brighton, it was a it was a very interesting window because they just basically bought three future lottery tickets and sent them all back to the clubs that they got them from. Um, so yeah, uh, it's just an interesting tactic because. I, I assume that they will be safe. They're one of those clubs that's so profoundly boring that it's unlikely they'll be anything other than safe. But I think they're still just like six points ahead of the relegation zone. Oh, don't don't uh, fact check me on that. I think it's around there though. Um, so if if they end up being safe, which I think they will be, and clearly they think they will be, you've gotten three really talented potentials. I think McAllister is really the the gem of the th- of the three, the more likely yeah. to make it, and if he makes it, could make it to a, a very high level. Um, but Baluta and Lockar are both fairly decent prospects. Uh, they spent what five million combined on the latter two. Um, so just take these gambles. Assume you're going to be in the Premier League next year. Let them finish their their seasons at their club, and then bring them in and see what you have in them. But and that's that's all fine. I think that's that is a fully decent strategy for Brighton. It's a way to avoid having to overspend on a lot of players, like we just talked about with Bournemouth. But if they fall back into the relegation zone because they did not bolster this window, you have to ask questions. I completely agree. Um, I think they've kind of they've future proofed themselves, like with Bournemouth, in that if they go down and they do lose a couple of their you know first team players. Well, now they've got these three really talented young players who can come in and, you know, will be more than happy to play a year or two in the championship and develop because that's why they've moved to, to Brighton is the next stage in the development. And um, McAllister, whose name annoys me because there's a space that shouldn't be there. It's McAllister, folks. It's not McAllister. <laughs> but it I is know. very amusing. It is very, very amusing. And, and his, the best part is his brother's name is Kevin. Um, <laughs> a fantastic name, um, and you know the thing for they're three very talented brothers um, at Argentinos Juniors, and there's a chance that Brighton, you know, one of them I think is I think it's Kevin actually himself who's gone on loan to Boca Juniors, um, and then the the older brother I think is is uh, Francis, I think it's Francis, Kevin, and Alexis are the three of them in, in age, um, but you know they're all. 20, 21, 22. There's not, none of them are old, old. Um, there's a chance they could look to bring in maybe one or two, one or two of the others and see if there's, you know, if there's players there. Actually, it looks like both of them have gone on loan to, uh, to Boca Juniors. So mm-hmm. there's, look, a club like Brighton doesn't have the money to go out, like, kind of like Bournemouth, doesn't have the money to go out because they don't have an enormous fan base. They're not getting, 50,000 on the gate every game. They have to be clever with their money. And this is a good thing for me. These, this, a club like Brighton been willing to go and look beyond the, the coast of England for players. And the thing is, they can offer the chance to live in Brighton, which is a very multicultural city, very diverse city, very nice city to live in. So, and know, that is reflected not, in their current squad already. It is. They're, they're, they've got a, a massively multicultural squad and it's it's good to see. I, I like to see clubs take these kind of risks. And yeah, you're you're totally right when you say if they do go down, um, there will be questions asked. But I mean, look look at the countries they've bought players from um, in the last year: Romania, Nigeria, uh, Brazil, Finland. What country is that? Oh, Mali, uh, Iran, South Africa. You know, Colombia. Denmark, Sweden, they, they really are casting a wide net. Mm-hmm. And for me, I like that approach for a club operating on a budget like theirs. They, they are, they're well-drilled and well-managed, and they should have enough to stay up. So the mm-hmm. base of the squad is there. And for them, with the money they have, if they take $30 million a year and they go and buy one player for $15 million that they think can hit... And then they take five gambles at three million a pop each. There's a chance one or two of them work out to be as good as the fifteen million pound player, and all of a sudden it's now the Eredivisie got... model. Exactly, exactly. Do you know, and it's it's good to see. I all credit to Brighton, very progressive club. Yeah, I've given them a B minus, and the only reason I thought about giving them a C plus is somehow it sounds more positive. <laughs> but if they end up staying up, then then this this could be a solid B for me. 
I've gone for a flat B, and I think because because I like the ambition, I like the thinking outside the box, and, and that they like trust themselves to stay up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's that's a good message to send. Is that we think that it is. we're good enough. You know, especially like they're sitting thirteenth at the moment. I know you're the only six points clear of the relegation zone, but I think it would send the wrong message to certain players who they'll rely on if they were to go and spend ten million on a centre back. And you're saying to Duncan Duffy, "Well, you two got us here, but you know, we're moving on now. So thanks for coming." What happens <laughs> if your new signing gets injured then in a week? And oh, Lewis Dunk, sorry, you've got to come back into the team. I know we said a week ago that you weren't good enough, but <laughs> you know, you're good enough now. Like that's demoralising. It's different to do it in the summer. I, I don't think you take that gamble in, in January. Yeah, uh, absolutely fair. So uh, yeah, we'll see how Brighton do. Uh, on to Burnley, who had possibly the literal exact opposite of the very uh, informed and kind of progressive model at Brighton uh, by signing uh, 33-year-old Peter Crouch, who, and to quote Jamie uh, on the Burnley update we did on Transfer Deadline Day, they literally tried to sign 20 years ago uh, when he was coming through as a young prospect. Uh, so they finally uh, get just, their man. Just to correct you there, Peter Crouch is actually 38 years of age. Ah, he sure is. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I 38 years wrong. of age. Sure that did. is a staggering. Oh, I was thinking about Lorente, who I've had Lorente. to care about a whole lot more lately. Um, so, yes, that is correct. He is 38, but still two decades on from the original interest registered by Burnley in him. He goes as a swap deal that sees Vokes go uh, the other way to Stoke. Um, Burnley who started the season looking locked for relegation, are now fighting their way out of that that position, swap third string, pardon the Americanism, strikers, in an attempt to ensure their Premier League safety. Uh, this, this is just a very strange one for me. For me, I did want them to at least go buy a winger. Um, Brady and Goodmanson have agreed some pact where they can never be fit at the same time. Aaron Lennon has 14 starts this season. Yeah. In 2018-19. What, what yeah, I will say about... Yeah, it's way too many. What I will say about all these issues is... And we should have said this about Bournemouth. I was going to have a starting spot, except Ryan Fraser developed way bigger than anyone expected. Bigger not meant to be a joke on his size. Um, but uh, this has given a chance for Dwight McNeil to come through. And he does look like he could be very talented. But you shouldn't be putting your hopes of staying in the Premier League on an 18-year-old. Not because he's not capable of doing it. Obviously, very small sample size, but I like what I've seen from him thus far. But putting that kind of pressure on an 18-year-old can really stunt development and growth because you're asking them to be as good as they can be right now, which is an entirely different mindset than trying to encourage them to grow into the best player they could be. Um, So I really think they should have signed a a winger um, just to prevent that issue. Although, like with the Arsenal defender thing, Dyche might be thinking eventually I'll have Brady and Goodmanson both available, then Lennon's the bench option, and then we can just use McNeil as as we need to. Um, But it's a sticky situation there. Also, their defense has been so much worse than last season. They've already conceded more goals this season than they did last. Um, And they signed Ben Gibson for big money in the summer, which I, I did think was a good signing at the time. But he's been injured, not really helping out. You go out and buy the championship's leading striker, Matej Vidra. You don't play him in favor of Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes. And if you're a club like Burnley, you can't take big misses. It is not in the budget for you to finally spend money and then miss on those players. And I think this window is a response to that summer window. Yeah, I mean, they had a strange summer. And the Vidra deal always kind of struck me as an odd one because the last time at West Brom, he, he looked out of his depth. He's always looked a very good player at championship level. He's always looked a cut above a championship level, but he doesn't look good enough at Premier League level. It's very, very odd. He, he'd probably do very well at a league somewhere in the middle, quality-wise, somewhere mm. like the Eredivisie or you know even the French League um, or the Portuguese League. He'd do well there. But the Premier League just does seem a step too far for him. Um, they're a very strange club. I think, I think Nick Pope has been a massive loss for them this season. Um, I think he was just sensational last year. I think they've had to deal with far, far too much Joe Hart. Um, I think that's been a big factor in why they had such a poor, um, couple of months first, you know, what, four or five months of the season. And they're just a very meh kind of club. There's... There's talent there. There's no question. You look at, you know, Stephen DeFore, very talented, can't stay fit. Robbie Brady, very talented, can't stay fit. Cousin Jeff, very talented, can't stay fit. 
Um, there's talent there for sure, but I don't know what it is. There's just like when you hear that Stoke and Burnley are doing a swap, um, you kind of you immediately just go to sleep. Uh, it doesn't really inspire any kind of excitement. You know, they're kind of they're just those type of clubs and. This is just one of them. Now, I think they've done well here because they not only did they get Peter Crouch, they got seven million for Sam Vokes. And I'm sure Vokes will do well in the championship. I think he has in the past. But, you know, I mean, they haven't lost anything. They've brought in Peter Crouch. He'll do okay. I like Peter Crouch because he... He got an assist. <laughs> yeah, you know, and he, he's, I like Peter Crouch. I think he'll do, he'll do what Peter Crouch does. But, I mean, you haven't really done anything. You know, yeah. you've taken a big tall fella and you've sent him away and you've just brought in another big tall fella who's, you know, quite a bit older. Um, I think that, yeah, like you, I think a winger. I, Jordan Ibe, we've mentioned him a couple of times. Yeah. Jordan Ibe would have been would have been a very good fit um, for, for, for Burnley. But they, they didn't really do anything. And, you know, it's hard to give them anything other than a C-. minus. Yeah, I've gone for a D. A little more harsh than you as we, we kind of swap roles of who's the good cop and who's the bad. Um, next up, we'll go to Cardiff City. And this is obviously a very tough one to discuss. Um, it's hard to reduce their window to a grade after the tragic loss of Emiliano Salah. It, it's just such a surreal thing that, that obviously this standard format doesn't really deal with. But we won't get into uh, the tragedy and all that. So we will get just into the football, but just know that that's the context in which we're discussing uh, Cardiff's transfers. Oh, and actually, before we do that, um, the Premier League uh, should be very ashamed that they rejected Cardiff's appeal to be able to make deals after deadline day um, to make up for the time lost during this. And while Neil Warnock has said a lot of ridiculous things over the past month plus, not in regards to the situation, um, he did say that there were players that they were talking to that stopped being interested after that tragedy because they didn't want to have to fly there, um, which is something that the Premier League definitely should have taken into account uh, before rejecting an appeal just on human grounds. That after dealing with something like that, saying that, you know, we're, we're all going to have minutes of silence and we're all going to get like the moral high ground out of respecting the tragedy, but we won't give you an actionably helpful thing. To, to make up for it. I thought that was very poor form from the Premier League. But on to the actual players. Um, to kind of go past that issue, they bring in Omar Nias to play up front. And I will say um, that I've liked him ever since uh, Lokomotiv Moscow. Uh, I actually wanted Tottenham to sign him in that 2016 window. And while he hasn't really adapted play style-wise to the Premier League, he sure knows where the net is. I was looking at his uh, numbers thus far. In the Premier League, he has 12 goals in just about 2,000 league minutes. For context, Kane has 14 this season in 1883 minutes. So if you're looking at like goals per minute ratio, that is not that far off from kind of the elite level in the Premier League. Just he doesn't offer enough, I feel, in the Premier League to, to warrant playing constantly. But he can score goals, and Cardiff just need goals at this point. Um, so I actually think this really isn't too bad of a of a deal. Um, he hasn't started the last three matches, and they probably need him to both play and score, although the, the win against Bournemouth uh, yesterday was definitely a surprise. Um, as for the Bakuna signing, I think that's just a, a repeat of what they did all summer, which is buy players that, when you go back to the championship, will be good enough. They'll be top-end championship players. Um they didn't sign a lot to keep them up. I don't think they could have spent enough to keep them up. Um, so not doing it seems wise rather than frugal. Um, so I, I've decided to not give them a grade. Uh, sorry, listeners. <laughs> um, but uh, I think they've really just prepared themselves for the inevitability of going down. And in that case, bringing in Bakuna, who can definitely help their cause and trying to come back up is a decent one. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said. I think... I think Nias is a, a good option for them off the bench. I think he can give you 20 minutes of quite a bit, um, but he does tend to give you 90 minutes of nothing if, if he's asked to start and, and carry a team. Um, Bakuna is a, a fine player at championship level, shown that in the past, and will likely show it again. Um, and, and they brought in Salah, and it just it's 
one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen in football. It's just, it is, it's a, a massive tragedy. I, I think he would have been very good in the Premier League. Kind of like Achoya was when he first came over with, with, with Brighton before he went to um, went to Leicester, I think. I think he could have been very good for them, and it's it's just heartbreaking that he, you know, that, that what happened happened. And you're right, the Premier League should be ashamed of themselves. They should have given them the option to go and have an extra couple of days and, you know, sort something out. It, it could have been done. You could have said to them, right, you can, you just can't sign anyone from the Premier League. You can sign someone from abroad, and that's fine, but you can't sign someone from the Premier League because then you're weakening an opponent, a, a rival who doesn't have time to, you know, buy someone else in. So that would have been fine. And I'm sure they would have got somebody, but maybe they didn't want to either. At the, you know, it, it would have just seemed very, very cold to just go mm. and sign someone else and kind of move on. I think, you know, you owe it to them, the, you know, to Salah to to not do that. But yeah, I, I, I'm not giving them a grade either because I think I think it would have been a solid B if if all had worked out for yeah. them. But um, without 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 Sally it's just unfair to give them a grade so um, yeah that they've set themselves up to, to go down and, and, and be ready to come back up yeah uh, now we'll move on to Chelsea who I thought had a very interesting window uh, because uh, Dave as you and I know for about three windows now we've been talking about how Chelsea had, had begun their decline and it started by continually buying worse players for more money Um and I think this window is the first year that they stopped that. Uh, this time, they get rid of Alvaro Morata, two-year loan to Atletico Madrid. Also, am I right in thinking that it was a two-year loan to Juventus from Madrid initially for for Morata? It was, I think it was a, was it a year and an obligation to buy. And then Real had a buyback clause that they they activated thinking Juventus would just come and buy him back and, then and they didn't. could make some money. And then Juventus were like, oh, no, we'll just buy Higuain instead. Yeah, so that, that was all a mess. But <laughs> he'll go to Atletico Madrid for two years, um, which I think is a, a very good choice from them because it either effectively just bends him off or maybe he'll find confidence and form there seeing as he allegedly always wanted to play for them and they brought out the baby pictures and everything you do. Um <laughs> When you move to a new club to, to try to gain allegiance to the fans, maybe that works out for him. If it doesn't, he's had two two years somewhere else. You just ship him off to a lower league, and he never becomes the player that he could have been. Um, in his stead, they bring in Higuain on a loan with an option to buy, which is, A, incredibly typical of this window, and, B, I think perfect for where Higuain is, a, is as a player right now. Because I, I saw a lot of people talking about the 30-plus goals uh, under Sarri at Napoli, which he did, and it was impressive. And I think you and I both like Sarri as a manager uh, and hopefully can turn it around at Chelsea. But Higuain's attacking numbers have dropped incrementally every season since. Now, when you score 30 goals, it's unlikely you're going to go higher than that, admittedly. But for me, I think this is the beginning of his age decline. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not useful now. Like, he's not at the bottom of that decline yet, obviously. Scores two goals yesterday. Um, and if he can kind of fill the net like that, then having him on loan this season just to kind of keep you in that top four race, and then if he scores, you know, six to ten goals rest of season, you absolutely take that. And then maybe you do pick up the option and you're just willing to commit that money because you haven't had a decent striker at your club since you binned off Diego Costa for no reason. Um, so any, I think they handled that deal very well, both getting out Morata for two years. It is still alone. So if he turns it around, you bring him back. He's now your primary option. You have Higuain for at least the six months, maybe longer than that if you need him to be. Um, so I, I think they handled that situation very well. Um, also, uh, Pulisic, I think they overspent on him, but not nearly as much as they would have had to do if Hazard was already sold. If they yeah. had that Hazard money in tow, you're going to have to pay way more. Um, and when you buy a nation's icon player, like Pulisic is in, in the U.S., you recoup a massive amount of that money in kits in the short term and future long-term fans in the long term. Um, so I, I thought that was a very smart deal from them. Uh, I'm very frustrated that for like the next decade, anytime people find out what I do for a living, they're going to be like, oh, isn't Pulisic great? While well, they're wearing a Chelsea kit, and it's just going to enrage me. Um, but... Uh, in retrospect, 
I would like to go back and give them an F for their summer grade in 2017. Because at the time, both of us were like, well, they're younger now. Maybe it'll work out. But Murata, Bakayoko, Zappacosta, all failures. Uh, Drink Water, a worse failure, but he wasn't young at the time. And we knew that one wasn't going to work at the time. Rudiger is finally starting to turn it around. And Ampadu, they signed for $2.5 million, which now looks an incredible deal. Um, they could sell him tomorrow for 25 easy, and he's played like yeah. seven minutes in the Premier League. Um, so that's the only reason that window doesn't get a retroactive F- minus from me. But what an awful window that was. Yeah, in retrospect, it was it was a, a disaster for them. But, you know, it, the, the club was in such a, a poor state last season because they wanted to sack Conte. He was refusing to leave. Um, he, he clearly wasn't fully invested. The players weren't invested in him. There's been a toxicity around that club for a number of years now, um, largely off the back of Mourinho's antics be- before Conte arrived. Um, but, you know, look, I mean, th- those are still good players. I mean, Morata is a good player. He's just not... He's not someone you can rely on to get you 25, 30 goals a season. If you ask him to do the dog work and provide, you know, the Emil Heskey to Antoine Griezmann's Michael Owen, then, yeah, he, I think he could do really well at Atletico Madrid. I think he'll be far more comfortable being at home in his own country as well. Um, Bakayoko, the same. I mean, he's been exceptional for AC Milan over the last three months. True. And they are almost certainly going to take up their option to buy him. Um Zabacosta, I mean, he just didn't work. A lot of Italians don't work in the Premier League. So, you know, it is what it is. And like you say, Rudiger, decent. He's been okay. Um, and Paudu was the... He was the jewel of that window, regardless of what they paid for him. He, he's an exceptionally young talent. Um, and, and he will go on to have a fantastic career. But yeah, in retrospect, it was a terrible window. I, I really like what they've done this window. I think they've not only, you know, brought in Higuain, who will get them goals. He will get goals till the day he dies because he, that's just what he does. Um, I like that they went and got Pulisic. I agree with you. I think they've paid a little bit too much. But in terms of, you know, what he can do for them commercially and, and how good he is and how good he can become, it'll likely look out like, a, you know, like they paid a fair price or even they got good value. Um, they also had some good loans in terms of players sent out. What, like we mentioned, Maratha, they sent him out. They loaned out Victor Moses. Um, they loaned out Bag- Baba Rockman, who they signed with, you know, high expectations. Mm-hmm. It's never really worked out. They've loaned him now to France to to uh, to Stade Reims. He should do well there. That's the, you know the French league should suit him. After a couple of poor injuries, he needs to get himself back on track. Um, and they found a new home for Mit- Mitchy. Uh, Michi Batshuayi uh, for the next six months as well. Why they wouldn't just bring him back and play him and say, okay, well, let's see if the striker we already have, who's an elite finisher, might work out. Um, I have no idea. But uh, they've loaned him to Palace, and you know we'll obviously be talking about Palace now next. But um, and I think Lucas Piazan went to to Kievo maybe. Mm-hmm. But you know they've they've done well. They've got a lot of players on loan. They're very good at managing their assets and moving things around. Um, I, I think Chelsea have had a very good window. I'd give them a B plus. Yeah, I've given them a normal B. But uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very solid window for them. And, and shows a, an aptitude and deftness in the window that we have not seen from them for a while now. Um, so potentially the signs of a recovery long term. I still think that this season looking back is going to be a disappointment for Chelsea fans, but this is the fruits of what you sowed the previous windows. Now you've had a good uh, kind of basis that you can build on uh, hopefully going forward. I say hopefully for Chelsea fans. Obviously, I don't really want that to happen at all. Um, on to Crystal Palace now. Steve Parrish on deadline day must have been like, ooh, look what I found with Chelsea uh, giving them Bashuai in a desperate gasp to not allow him to move to Tottenham. Um, they rejected a $5 million loan bid from Tottenham when they were asking $2 million from other people. According to some, they also rejected a $30 million permanent bid from Tottenham and instead allowed him to move to, from what I can find, South London for nothing. 
for no loan fee. Um, so they just really, really didn't want him to go to Tottenham. Obviously, we were very interested uh, when he was um, coming to England in the first place, but he chose not to come. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why the agents were pushing for Tottenham. Also, I would have loved him because uh, if he comes on loan and then you end up getting him long term, that's that kind of like uh, rivalry building that I really like uh, if he went on to score a lot of goals against Chelsea. Um, but obviously not what happens. He does go to Crystal Palace. It's just a six-month loan, no options that I could find. Um, but obviously Palace are hoping that they're going to get Dortmund Batshuayi and not Valencia Batshuayi. Um, the timing is a little odd for me, though. Benteke and Wickham both finally returned to fitness. I thought Benteke had a very good match yesterday. Um, but uh, if you're a club like Palace and someone like Batshuayi gets offered to you, you just have to take that deal and then figure out the rest later. Um, the other two deals, uh, Bakary Sako is just a body that's come back, somebody that was already familiar with the club. Although, interestingly, Dave, and I'm sure you'll find this hilarious, they were given the option to bring back Balassi over Sako, and Hodgson decided not to. So there's a little banter for uh, your Everton pals. Um, <laughs> then uh, that that's that is brilliant. I mean, uh, when we signed Sadio Mane, they signed uh, Yannick Balassi, and they were adamant they'd bought the better player. Yeah. And now Yannick Balassi, I believe, has gone on loan to Anderlecht. Anderlecht. Yep. Um, couldn't find a club in the Premier League willing to take him, including the one that made him. Yeah, and Sadio Mane would sell for probably eighty million tomorrow if we put him on the market. So. Yeah. Um, I, I, look, I, I love the signing of, of Michi because I, I love Michi. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he'll do really well here. I think I think having him and Zaha as a pairing up front, if you can get Max Meyer more involved creatively, I think that's you know potentially really productive for them. They've obviously got Andros Townsend as well, who has been in pretty good form of late. Um, now he, he just needs to remember that he's just a role player now and not to get back into that habit of cutting inside and launching shots from anywhere inside 40 yards um, you're just role player Andros you're not England international Andros so settle <laughs> down, stay in your lane but yeah I mean Zaha Zaha and Michi if it clicks that could be one of the more devastating pairings in the league their attributes line up really well and the one thing we've sort of seen that Zaha has been missing there is someone to finish the chances that he creates. And I wouldn't be surprised if they try and buy him in the summer and try and shift Benteke. Now, they won't get a whole lot for Benteke, I doubt. Um, maybe 10, 12 million. I know they spent 30 on him, so it's a big loss for them. But if Michi's happy there, I think he'll be willing to stay because I think he loves living in England. I think he loves playing and in England, London I mean, in particular. And London in particular. And he's just got that kind of way about him that personality wise, I think him and Zaha might work very well as well. Yeah, the the flip side is that they might hate each other immediately. Um but That's very true. <laughs> I do I do agree that stylistically, um they, they could probably pair well. Also, if you throw him up front with Ben Teke and then you have Townsend and Zaha wide, that's probably how you get the most talent on the pitch at the same time. But I agree true. as a pairing Batshuayi and Zaha would probably favor each other a little bit. But that's, that's what I'm saying, is we don't know how they're going to get the best out of the situation. But for Palace, you just have to do this if it's offered to you. And you figure it yes. out later. Um, the only other deal they make is Lucas Perry. Uh, it looks like he will be the reserve keeper going forward with Speroni likely to retire. And Hennessy uh, dealing with off-the-pitch things that we aren't going to get into right now. Um, but uh, that that's kind of rounds out their window. If it had just been Sacco and Perry, I think it would have been a very disappointing window. But you throw in Batshuayi there, and you get a B plus from me. Yeah, I, exactly the same. I think I think Nietzsche makes it a, a very good window for them. Um, the Bakary Sacco thing is just funny. Like they released him in the summer because they didn't want him anymore, and, and because he thought he deserved more minutes. That was a mutual yeah. leaving. And he goes to West Brom, and he can't get a look in, and they're happy to let him go on a free. So you know it. Kind of says where he where he is at the moment, but there's talent there, and you know, hopefully he can, hopefully for for Palace's sake, he can uh, rediscover some of the form he did have a few years ago because he has been a decent player in his career. Yeah, yes. Um, although now you you have Shalup. If they do end up going Bashawai and uh, Benteke up front, now you have Zaha and Townsend all ahead of him. Um, but nonetheless, it's good to get bodies in. Uh, and that's something that they've done while a lot of the big clubs haven't. So credit to them, B-pluses from both of us. 
Now on to Everton, known owners of Yannick Bolasi, who has gone on loan to Anderlecht. Um, no incomings. They spent so much in the summer. I don't think this really shocked anyone. But even I, listen, I knew the the doubts on all of the Barcelona contingent that came to them. And I think for the most part, all of them have been pretty good. Um, Digne has been about as good as I thought he would be. Andre Gomez has been better than I thought he would be in the Premier League. Um, yes. Mina, we haven't seen too much of. Um, like I kind of assumed he would walk in and just get that job. I don't know if it was injuries or what, but um, I think those largely worked out. I think Sigurdsson, for the majority of the season, has been playing to his best. So then the, Richarlison has proved to be about worth what they paid for. So what do you think has gone so wrong there? I don't know. It's an odd one. Um, I think there's a, a lot of talent in that squad, I think, I, I mean, I really like Marco Silva as a manager as well. Um, and I think That's they what I'm were saying, moving. Is if you look at like any one player or manager, it all looks okay to good. But yeah. you put it all together and it has not worked. I think, well, I think they've struggled with finding a settled back four. And I think that's been a massive feature. I think, like you, I thought, and he should, Yerry Mina should be automatic first choice. and But he needs a partner. And for the style that they seem to want to play, you could argue that Kurt Zuma is the better partner for him than Michael Keane. But mm-hmm. Michael Keane has played quite well this season. Yeah, he he turned it around after an awful campaign last year. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like you say, like Dina has been pretty good. Seamus Coleman is back and has been pretty good. Um, they've got... You know, Gaia and Gomez and Guy in the midfield that yeah have been good and and you know they've they've got decent options out wide and they, for me the biggest issue in that team is Jordan Pickford. I just don't think he's any good. Mm. I just and don't. He got think he's a any little good. cocky in the summer. He got very full of himself, and he came out and he made comments after Allison had the error against Leicester and. You know, I, I, I think that error at Anfield has broken this team mm. because they have been. That would have been a big launching point. Yeah, if they, I mean, if they got a draw at Anfield, that would have been huge for them. They would. They were quite close to us in the table at the time as well. Um, but now they're just. I mean, they're a mess. They're an absolute mess. They're ninth and sliding. Um, for me, I think you need to look at the goalkeeper. I just think, I think he's in a habit of conceding goals, and I don't think he knows how to get out of it. I think there's a lot of goals they concede. Yes, he makes spectacular saves, and there's arguments that he's won them points here and there, but he's cost them points quite regularly. Can I hit you with there's two a, words? Yeah, Aurelio Gomez. Yeah, yeah, he's exactly. He's one Lost of them. his confidence, can still make the saves, but lets in way more goals. David James. Yeah. David James was one of the best shot stoppers. Another one, Jerzy Dudek. When yeah. Dudek came to Liverpool, he came with a reputation as being one of the best goalkeepers in Europe. The first season he was with us, he was absolutely phenomenal. Then he had the blunder against Man United. And for the next two and a half years, he was pretty catastrophic until Benitez arrived. And even then, he had to coax him along. He wasn't always first choice. We had, you know, Scott Carson was in and out and different things. And other than the, the Champions League final, Jersey Dudek's Liverpool career after that first season is is that of this type of keeper, one who can make incredible saves, but will let in goals. And you just kind of look back and wonder, and go, how on earth have you conceded that? And that's... Pickford reminds me so much of Dudek. They're about the same size, similar shot stop and technique, a lot of saves for the purposes of the cameras, um, similar issues on crosses, similar even down to the kicking style, quite similar. Um, and for me, I think I, I think Everton fans think they have a world-class keeper in Jordan Pickford, and I think they have a liability. And for me, if you put 
a, a t- like not even a top class. I'm not even talking about an Allison or a Hugo Lloris. Or I think if you put Nick Pope in that team, I think they'd be much better off. I think they'd be comfortably sitting seventh and potentially even challenging for the top six because mm. the talent is there. The talent is there. There's so many good players in that squad. And again, with like we mentioned it with Arsenal, where's the money like? There's meant to be money at this club. All we've heard about for the last few years is they're the Merseyside billionaires, but they can't afford to build their own stadium, and now there's no money to buy any players. Well, like, you know, I, I just I, I think they're poorly run from at, at the very top, but mm. I think they've got the good football people that they've brought in, I think, are very good. I think the, the talent is there throughout the squad, maybe one or two short of what you'd ideally want to be. They could probably use another quality wide player. Um, but, I mean, I just I don't get it. For me, Jordan Pickford, though, is the is the liability there. And I think we'll see it more and more. Look, this is a guy who conceded something like 60 goals on average for three straight years mm-hmm. leading into this one. And, uh, you know, he's got, what, 36 conceded this year? He's definitely going to concede 50-plus. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think the solution... Um would be and this is what Tottenham had to do by going from uh, Aurelio Gomez to Brad Friedel is you have a player that'll save goals that he has no business saving and he'll let in goals that he has no business letting in the response to that is to go get somebody that's stable that will save the things they're supposed to and let in the things that they aren't and for me like you were you were mentioning Pope I think it's a decent shout for me even if it was even if you're just going to plunder Watford again if you just get Ben Foster and stick him between goal you're going to concede some goals. He isn't as athletic, but you're going to end up conceding a lot less. Um, but uh, if you were uh, in Everton's shoes, which I know, shudder the thought, but what position do you think they should have addressed this January? Because keepers are a little hard to move at, the, at this time of the season. I probably would have looked for another in midfield. I, look, I think I think Idrissa Gaye wants to leave. And I think sure they should does, have left. Yeah, and I think they should have let him leave, and I think they should have gone and bought a replacement. If I was just buying one player, though, I mean, for me, looking at at their squad, we we've talked about the you know, the back four, the midfield two, and and Gilfie, Rick Carlison is the, is the nine. I think Adamola Luckman needs to be starting in the front three. Yeah. I think he's just a very very talented player, and that's where I would go. I think I think Bernard can flatter to deceive. There's no question the talent is there. It's just there's no consistency with him. There never has been. I think he struggles a little with the physicality as there's well. There's a reason he was at Shakhtar as long as he was. Exactly. And Theo Walcott's exactly the same on the other side. You know, he's inconsistent, and that's always been the problem with Theo. He's also limited in what he can do because he's relied for too long on his pace, and he never really developed being able to play in tight spaces. But for me, that's where they should have gone and, and looked to address his... Another, even if it meant playing Luckman on the right, moving Ricarlis into the left of the front three and buying someone to play in the middle. It was do supposed that. to be Batshuayi, who seemed very uninterested in leaving London. Yeah, I mean, they, they, that would have addressed the problem, I think. I think you would have had a front three there. You could have really developed into something very, very talented. Um, I mean, Gilfie has shortcomings in terms of He's a great long passer of the ball. His set pieces are incredible. And obviously his long-range shooting is, is world-class. But in terms of intricate bits of play in the flow of a game, I think he can be a little bit stodgy. Um, I think Gomez has added a, a bit in that regard, though I think almost covered for it. I think the balance there is quite good. Yeah, and I so think that's the, why Gomez has been better than I think either of us would have expected. Yeah, and and he suits the physical nature because he's a big guy. I mean, he's six two or something. He's a big guy. So for me, if they could have gotten in one one attacker and and addressed that issue in midfield, because Gaye wants to leave, so let him go. Um, if he wants to go and sit on the bench at at, at PSG, away with him. Let him go. What like if that's what he wants to do? Uh, you know, pat him on the back, thank him for his service, and and send him on his way. You could have gone and got someone, you know. They, they were willing to offer what thirty million PSG were offering. Yeah, you, you definitely could have found someone. Um, yeah, I I just think one in midfield, one in attack. But the goalkeeper for me, if I'm if I was running Everton, got into this summer, I would be trying to find a new home for Jordan Pickford, and I would be trying mm. to mug somebody off. So if Arsenal 
decide that they need to address their goalkeeper situation because Leno's not very good and Czech is retiring. If United feel that De Gea is looking to go, um, although where he would go at this point, I have no idea because obviously Real bought Courtois. Um, I'd be looking to find a home for Jordan Pickford. Someone's going to have too much money to spend. And look, even if you just get the money back that you spent on him, if, if say, Leicester were willing to give you 30 to 35 or West Ham for, for Jordan Pickford, maybe the keeper to go and buy would be Jack Butland because he's more yeah. that solid, reliable type. He'll save the things he's meant to and he won't get anywhere close to the ones that maybe Pickford will save. But he'll he'll cost you less over the course season. Now, he's been particularly poor when I've watched him uh, over the last 18 months and I don't think he's ever recovered from the ankle surgery. But Nick Pope is Nick Pope is who I would go for. And I'd go and I'd spend that money on Nick Pope because I think uh, I think he's more reliable. I think he's a better shot stopper as well. I think close range, he's an incredible shot stopper. Um, and and he, he's, he's got human-sized arms. And that's a big thing, you know, having actual adult-length arms. Uh, Jordan Pickford obviously, you know, has those very, very short little dinosaur arms. <laughs> yeah, and it should be noted that uh, Dave's saying if he was in charge of the footballing decisions, that person is now Marcel Bronze. Uh, and so yeah. I would expect things to improve in the summer. Yeah, for sure. And, and if, if anyone wants a name for who I would sign in that front three, if I was playing Luckman on the right, Ricarlison in the middle, I, I would be going to Brand saying, well, you just come from PSV Eindhoven. Mm-hmm. So go there and get me Chucky Lozano. Yeah. And if we, if they want 40 million and we don't have 40 million, Get me Stephen Bergwin because we'll get him for 30 because his buyout is like 16 uh, in the summer and they'll probably take 30 now. Yeah, yeah. I'd give them an F because they didn't do anything. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Personally, I've gone with a D uh, just because they spent so much money in the summer that uh, if they had brought in even more players in January, they could be facing a Fulham-like situation where there's just too many changes and, and then maybe you can't really find a good balance. Um, but this is where we'll stop for now. We will pick up with Fulham uh, in part two. Uh, if you'd like to find Dave, you can do so on Twitter at DaveHendrick underscore, although I'm not sure he's accepting uh, followers right now. Uh, you can also check him out at Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro, uh, which certainly both provide great content for both Liverpool and non-Liverpool fans alike. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, I hope that you listeners come back for part two, which will be out later in the week. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.